0: The Metropolitan Opera Guild is the premier arts education organization dedicated to enriching the lives of children and adults through the magic and artistry of opera. To learn more about the Guild's many exciting programs and events, please visit metguild.org.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. I'm your host, Naomi Baratera, and the goal of our podcast is to share knowledge and insights into the operatic art form, drawing our content from a variety of different educational programming that we have going on here at Lincoln Center in New York City. The second of this summer's Met Live in HD encore presentation will be of Donizetti's La Lizir d'Amore and this encore was first transmitted live in october of 2012 with an exceptional cast starring anna trebko as adina matthew polenzani as namorino mariusz kovicin as belcore and Ambrosio maestri as the clever dolcumara in preparation for this encore broadcast i am very excited to welcome the met guild's very own kyle homewood onto the podcast today with me
2: thank you very much naomi Very excited to be on the podcast.
1: Kyle is actually my co producer on the podcast, so it is nice to actually feature his voice over the airwaves, so to speak. And today, the two of us are going to be talking about this particular opera and talking about uh, the HD Festival a little bit and kind of giving you an inside scoop as to what to listen for in the opera, what it is that we both love about the opera, so that when you go to see the HD Encore presentation, uh, you will have lots of knowledge uh, to kind of go into. The the experience with or share with some of your friends. So part of the reason why I really wanted Kyle to be on this episode with me is because I remember when Kyle gave a lecture on this opera in the HD Festival several years ago and so he knows a lot about this opera and also I know it's one of his uh, kind of top favorites so I am very excited to get his insight on this and hopefully uh, we will be able to get you excited about seeing it as well this is one of your favorites isn't it
2: yes (laughs) I I absolutely love this opera actually it was the first opera that I was ever in when, when I was in college uh, I was in the opera chorus uh, for this opera, which is a fun chorus to be in. It's a pretty big chorus.
1: It is a big chorus. Um,
2: as, as far as choruses go. So, so, yeah, I really like the opera. It's just fun in and of itself. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I know on the podcast we have listeners that are... Um, they've been around opera for their whole lives. They mm-hmm. know it very well. Um, but we also have listeners that are very new to opera And I think this is a great opera for those people that are looking to expose themselves to something that's easily attainable, um, something that isn't overly complicated that we can all enjoy together. And for those of you that love opera and you can tackle the more difficult stuff, this will be a great one to share with your friends or people that you think you might be able to get interested into opera. This is a good entry opera for people.
1: Definitely. You
2: know, we hear uh, people talk about the ABCs of opera. Yes, they do. Meaning the the beginner entry-level operas, if you will.
1: A for Aida, Mm -hmm. B for... Bohem. Bohem. I was about to say Barbara of Seville, but I think Bohem is what people usually say. I think
2: it's Bohem, yeah. Uh,
1: C for Carmen, of course. Exactly. So uh, Aida, Bohem, and Carmen are kind of the first three operas that any new opera goer will go and see.
2: Yeah, and they're popular ones, you know. They're ones that if, if you want to guarantee that someone that's new to opera is going to enjoy themselves, go take them to the ABCs and they'll Definitely. have a good time. Well, today I'm making the argument that we add... L'Elysée d'Amore as Mm -hmm. the E in our ABCs, which I guess means that we need to add a D.
1: Right, we need to add a D. I would obviously, as a Mozart lover, (laughs) advocate for Don Giovanni to be the D.
2: I thought you might say that. In any case, I do think that uh, Lelizir d'Amore, which... Translates to elixir of love, Mm -hmm. um, or as we'll probably be referring to it, elixir or elizir, uh, really fits into that category of being something that's fun. It has beautiful melodies, and it's something that we can all really grasp right off the bat. It's Mm -hmm. not overly complicated, and the storyline and the emotions of the characters are apparent in the music. Donizetti, uh, when he composed this music, did a great job of making it transparent, if you will.
1: Definitely, and I think that there is a wide spectrum of emotion as well. It's mm-hmm. not, I mean, it is a comedy, right? But it's not all comedy. You yeah. have very introspective moments for the characters, especially Nemarino. He has that beautiful aria at the end, Una furtiva lagrima, which is just, brings tears to your eyes because it's—it it is so sad and melancholy and kind of a true bare raw expression of what he's feeling and certainly not a funny moment but you have a lot of variety for all of the characters so you get a little bit of everything I think in this opera definitely but Donizetti to kind of provide some historical padding or backdrop here he is a composer of the bel canto era the first half of the 1800s and so Generally speaking, we say that the bel canto went from around uh, 1805-ish through to around 1835, 1838. And then that's when you kind of have uh, the decline of the bel canto composers actively composing, uh, Mm -hmm. the three most popular being, of course, Donizetti and then Rossini and Bellini. Yes. And then it's around kind of 1840 that... They are the three of those men are no longer actively composing, and you have Verdi kind of rise to more prominence and more popularity. Yeah. And again, why that happens is a whole other mm-hmm. podcast episode.
2: Well, uh, I don't think that we've mentioned, and just in case anybody doesn't know, bel canto translates to beautiful singing. Correct. So the main defining factor, other than it, the time period mm-hmm. uh, for this compositional period, is the fact that the main focus is on the beauty of the voice.
1: Right, and I think that that is partially what confuses people sometimes is that when we use the term bel canto in opera, we can be referring to more than one thing because it is used to talk about the time period, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. or it can talk about the the school of singing that we call the bel canto school, which rose to prominence, of course, during the bel canto era Mm -hmm. in order to create and turn out voices that could sing this music as beautifully as possible. So it kind of is all bound up together and it's all related, but you hear people using it in different ways.
2: Yes, definitely. Um, But something that you and I had talked about uh, in preparation for this recording was how another way that uh, Elixir is relatable to modern audiences is that it plays almost like a modern romantic comedy.
1: It really is like the rom-com of exactly. the Bel Canto era, the rom-com hit, I yes, think.
2: It's, it's pretty light,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but um, you have these characters that would appear in a romantic comedy. You know, you have the kind of average guy that isn't a standout to anybody, and he is in love from afar with mm-hmm. the It Girl
1: Perhaps a little clumsy in his romantic gestures. Yes. You know, not necessarily super suave or confident. Mm-hmm.
2: And our it girl, Adina, whom in the, in the opera and in this production is the, the owner of the estate, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and she's viewed by everybody as being the most beautiful, the most refined Everybody fawns to her.
1: She's smart. She's clever.
2: Yes, exactly. So she is really, she's caught everyone's eye, not to mention our average...
1: Our average Joe. Our <laughs> average
2: Joe <laughs> Nemorino. And then we also have, as we mentioned, with Belcore, who comes in. He's um, in the opera and in the production. Mm-hmm. He's a sergeant in the military. But he's our, as we relate to uh, rom-com, he's our, our jock. Or our, you know, our typical leading man who seems to be the obvious choice to right. pair off with the leading lady, um, then, as you said, will be the rival of our, our average Joe. Right. Um, and
1: we all tend to root for the average Joe because yes. we want the average guy to triumph and we yeah. we see, you know, the the sweetness and goodness in him that Adina probably doesn't see immediately yes
2: especially over somebody that's arrogant and somewhat off-putting like belcore
1: right but arrogant and off-putting but also much more aggressive in his romantic gestures yes. so seems to kind of sweep in and mm-hmm. and take away the the chance that nemarino might have so yes
2: definitely Um, And then we also have, with this character, Dulcamara, Mm -hmm. I haven't thought, you know, I I haven't thought that long about it, but I haven't thought of a direct comparison to maybe a rom-com that I've Mm -hmm. seen lately. But it seems like there's always a character or maybe an aspect of the storyline that kind of just mixes things up. Yes. And stirs the pot. And that's the function of Dulcamara in this opera, He's the little extra something that kind of gets things turning and creates the comedic scenarios right. that we would expect from a story like this. Essentially, to put things in a nutshell, Nemorino, having heard the tale of Tristan and Isolde...
1: Yes, that um, Adina reads to the, the town or workers gathered. Yes, the
2: town folk has heard about the magical elixir that will make any person fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, of course, not long after... Dulcamara comes into town, and he's this potions peddler. That, <laughs> That's
1: a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's he's claiming to. Um, and this production takes place in about the 1830s. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the time period when the opera was composed. And he's coming into this small town having a cure for everything. You know, whether you have blemishes or your feet stink or <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, he right. has the cure for it. So, of course, Nemorino approaches him, wants to know if he has the magic elixir, and a character like Dulcamara will always say yes if he's going to be able to get some money from you. He
1: takes advantage of poor Nemorino. Yes.
2: So he sells Nemorino a bottle of Bordeaux, (laughs) uh, claiming that it's the magical elixir... Of love. Yes, the elixir of love, the title of our opera. And so then Nemorino consumes this, uh, gets drunk... (laughs) Of course, Dulcamara is clever enough to include the caveat that it'll take a day for the elixir to come into effect. So he can skip town before uh, anybody realizes that he's a fraud. Um, Nemorino gets drunk. Um, A few different things ensue. So we've really kind of run away with this. I mean, we've already... (laughs) We're through most of the opera, but why don't we go back and talk about some things from the beginning, and then we'll get some musical clips in um, so everybody can know what they have to look forward to musically. So as we start out in this opera, the stage is set in this rural village where people are coming in. The the chorus members are coming in. They're the people working in the village on Mm -hmm. the farm or what have you, and they come in for their break, or or however you want to consider it.
1: It's almost like a siesta time (laughs) in the middle of the afternoon. (laughs) They kind of lounge under the trees. Yes,
2: exactly. And this is when we first meet Nemorino. Mm -hmm. We see Adina who's reading.
1: And she really does stick out to, not in a bad way, but the way that the costume design is, you can tell that she is not necessarily kind of your average field worker. Yes. Um, She carries herself differently. Her costume is a little bit different so that we notice her Mm -hmm. right away.
2: And also she's reading, which in this time period, not every person, let alone every woman, Right. So I think that's something worth noting. But in any case, Nemorino is watching her from afar, Mm -hmm. and this is when he sings his aria, "Quanto è bella, quanto è cara, which is absolutely beautiful, where he's essentially, he repeatedly is sighing Mm -hmm. over this love and devotion towards Adina, and the fact um, he says that she's so smart and beautiful and that she would essentially never love a simpleton like him. Right.
1: And this aria, too, is the first major aria he sings, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it speaks to the kind of uh, technique at the time where composers would introduce characters kind of one after the other at the very beginning of the opera in this kind of series of introductory arias. Yes. And the the sentiment of the aria and the way it sounds and what they are singing about is supposed to tell you a lot about the character. And so I think... this really does achieve that with Nemorino. Oh,
2: definitely. For several reasons. One of which is uh, because Donizetti does a good job of text painting. Mm. Um, And text painting, for anybody that doesn't know, is when the composer um, sets the musical line, you know, whether it goes up or down or is fast or slow, to reflect the words that the singer is singing. Right. So in this aria, when Nemorino sings about his size, there's music that that reflects his sighs, and you can hear it. The Italian word for sigh is sospirar, to -hmm. sigh. So listen for that when he's saying that word, and you can tell in the music that it goes up as if he's sighing.
1: Let's listen to it. So this is act one.
2: Act one, the first scene, uh, Nemorino singing, Quanto è bella, quanto è cara. All right, so it's beautiful music to begin with. Um, I, I think everyone will now know what we mean about these beautiful melodies. Mm-hmm. But then also, hopefully, everybody heard these different elements coming through his size yes. uh, in the music. He even
1: gets a little lighter in tone. He kind of lightens the timbre yes. as he goes up. And so you get the feeling that he is just daydreaming, right? Yes,
2: exactly. And he includes some words that a non Italian speaker would pick out. You know, he says, you know, I'm, I'm simple, and mm-hmm. he, used the word, he uses the word idiota, which idiot, you know. He
1: So clearly our poor Nemarino has some self-esteem issues. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. <laughs> so. Not
2: unlike maybe our, our rom-com character that uh, right. is a little bit, um, not self-loathing. but
1: <laughs> I, Yeah, I don't think Nemarino's <laughs> quite at that point, but he is certainly, he doesn't view himself as being anything special. Yes. Right. And so.
2: in a... Kind of different characterization. I was going to say the opposite. I guess the opposite is Belcore, but in a different characterization, mm-hmm. we have Adina, who right. we see um, not long after this first aria, where you know she's been reading this tale of uh, Tristan and Isolde, mm-hmm. and the townspeople see her reading. They beg her to read the story out loud to them um, because she has had an, an outburst of laughter.
1: okay. Which
2: gives us another insight into her character, because she's reading Tristan and Isolde, which is this tragic love story. Yes. And she bursts out in laughter.
1: So she seems a little skeptical of this thing called love. Yes,
2: exactly. (laughs) So, and that comes across right away. She has her laughter. Everyone begs her to read. She reads, and she tells, you know, this dramatic story, but then she breaks from that, closes the book, and she essentially says sarcastically and it comes across in the music with a light bouncy nature that um, you know she's saying oh this elixir is so great you know if only I could have it Mm. but it's really sarcastic she doesn't believe in it right Um, and she thinks other people are are foolish (laughs) in believing (laughs) in it. But why don't we jump right into that? I feel like that's a good enough descriptor.
3: Definitely. Um,
2: Let's listen to a little bit of this clip of her telling the story to the people and then her reaction to it as well. This is Anna Netrebko as Adina.
1: Right, so that's Adina. It gives you a really good idea of her personality at the beginning of the opera. Yes,
2: and her thoughts towards something like a magic love potion, or right. really love in general. Like yes. she kind of tosses off the idea as being foolish.
1: And her melody line, you can hear that. she The melody line itself has these kind of tossing gestures, mm-hmm. right? Which is partially what I love so much about Donizetti and opera generally, is that yeah. the music can communicate so much about the character.
2: Exactly, and and then continuing from this point, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. we get a quick introduction to each of our characters, one after the other. Mm-hmm. So up next, now that we have our l- lovesick Average Joe mm-hmm. and our ever-popular and beautiful...
1: Slightly um, skeptical um, of yes, love. Yes, the
2: slightly skeptical of love It Girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, then now next we get Belcore, who is our machismo, yes. um, obvious choice for the ladies. Um, mm. Coming in, he's new into this uh, into this community. Mm-hmm. They don't know him or what he's about, but he makes it pretty clear pretty quickly. He wastes no time. He comes <laughs> on a stage, um, and then immediately, his first aria introduction is him trying to woo Adina, talking about how great he is. Right. And then also, in that very first aria, telling her that she should marry him because he's gallant, and a sergeant. Yes. <laughs> so why wouldn't she want to marry him?
1: Right. And again, the music is going to tell us a lot about his character. So yes. let's listen, and then we'll talk about the little things that we hear. Yes,
2: and actually this one that I've prepared mm-hmm. is a short clip without even him singing.
3: It's oh. just his
2: introductory clip. It's not even a minute of music, and there's no singing. And we already know, this Said he's composed it in a way where we know exactly... Who Belcore is, and, right, and what he's going to introduce to the story.
1: So this is the little orchestral introduction right before Belcore starts to sing. Yes,
2: exactly. So let's let's take a listen. I'm sure everybody has picked up from, from that little clip, it, Belcore has arrived. <laughs> we know what he's getting at. It's made even more uh, apparent from his aria that he's going to sing, um, where he essentially proposes marriage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but at the same time, as he's doing this, uh, Adina being somebody that is skeptical towards the traditional thoughts on love, mm-hmm. she's not into it. She's not buying not it.
1: Not at all. She's an
2: independent woman. She's not wooed by the fact that he's in the military or what have you. Or how great
1: he is in general. Yes,
2: she's actually kind of a little bit put off by it in Mm -hmm. in a laughing kind of way. Right,
1: and that scene is actually really fantastic, so look out for it when you watch the HD broadcast because... There's a great moment where he basically is like really coming on to her and the tempo starts to pick up and he actually goes in for a kiss right on the mouth to make out with her and she bites him yes. with, in the production, which I think is so awesome. And you can see the chemistry between uh, Nitrebko and Kvichin, the kind of uh, familiar banter that they have that I feel like you can only really have when you have great singers that are both extremely talented, but also obviously friends
2: yes. in real life. Definitely. Right. There's a lot of... I think really between all of these definitely. cast members, you can tell that there's a lot of A good camaraderie
1: between them.
2: Oh, definitely. That comes across. Um, but Belcore, being the person that he is, as mm-hmm. confident as he is, he thinks that it's only a matter of time... Right. Um, ...until he woos Adina. He actually, later on, um, in a later scene, he starts singing from off stage when he's coming in, and he essentially says that um, women and battle are... are our women and, and conquest are exactly the same.
1: Ah, it's, yeah. like it's only a matter of time. Yeah, exactly. Before he's um, victorious.
2: Yes, exactly. That's that's the general thought. Right. So he's biding his time. Um, he and the rest of his garrison mm-hmm. then leave the stage. And Nemorino now has the courage, whether it's because somebody else has made an advance on Adina uh, or not. Nemorino, mm-hmm. played by Matthew Polanzani, has the courage to approach Adina and express his feelings Ah. towards her. So in this scenario, he finally has a backbone to show Mm -hmm. these feelings. But of course, Adina being the person that she is, she's at least realistic about her thoughts on love.
1: And honest.
2: Yes, she even says, you know, my love is fickle. Mm -hmm. um, And it's, it's not lasting. So you would be better off not loving me. You should move on. Get over me. Which, in our comparison to a romantic comedy, it's kind of like the, uh, it's me, not you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> rather than just saying, um, I'm not interested in you. Right. She's saying, oh, Nemorino, no, you know, you, you wouldn't want to be with me because I'm right. just, I'm not the loving type. Right. And puts it on herself. So, definitely an easily relatable <laughs> uh, plot device. Yes, or, for sure. Or excuse, rather. So... So that has transpired, Mm -hmm. and then we have a slight scene change Mm -hmm. where we go into more of a town center. For this first scene, we've been um, out on the farm, if you will, or in that general kind of area. Now we're in the city center, and once again, in our introduction of characters that um, comes one after the other, we're now introduced to Dulcamara.
1: And he makes quite a grand entrance with his... With his really amazing cart that he's carrying all of his potions and lotions in.
2: Exactly. And that's actually our next clip. We're Alrighty. just coming right now, one after the other. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> um, he arrives on the scene, and he is essentially in front of the whole crowd. He says, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, and goes right into his pitch. But there's certain elements that let you know that he's kind of full of it, mm-hmm. um, where he's saying that you know he's known all of he's known all over the world and in other universities or universities universes mm-hmm. and you know he has nowhere to go from <laughs> from there right so then he's it says you know kind of offhand and and other places right <laughs> so you know that there's um
1: he's aggrandizing yes. himself and he is actually a pretty good salesman oh
2: so. yeah definitely yeah and i think that Um, in this cast with Maestri Mm -hmm. playing this role, he does it so well. I mean, he's a big guy. Mm -hmm. So he kind of, just when you look at him, he exudes this big personality.
1: And he commands a presence on stage. Yes, yes. And
2: and he pops out of this little cart. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Where, you know, it's this tiny little cart that gets wheeled on stage. And then he pops out of this little door and he's this huge, tall man. So let's just get right into the clip. And you can tell right away that This is a a bit of a trickster that's going to kind of stir the pot a bit.
1: And he's definitely trying to sell you something. Yes.
0: For the uomini, uomini, ripara torte in pochi in pochi giorni scombero io past, gli spedali. E la salute a vendere per tutto il mondo past, compratela, in Compratela, per per the past, compratela the per do. Compratela, compratela per
2: all right, so we're right into it. Uh, Dulcamara doesn't waste any time. And once again, um, just in case you don't understand the Italian, he's saying over and over there at the end, compratela, compratela. He's saying, buy it, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Telling people exactly what they can do yes. in that situation. not
1: even trying to be subtle.
2: Yes, and he wins over the crowd. You know, they're, they're into it, and... Um, They want a piece of of what he's selling.
1: That's right. Um,
2: Including Nemorino, who, after the crowd disperses, approaches Dulcamara and says, you know, I'm interested in this elixir, the elixir of Tristan and Isolde, this love potion. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we mentioned before, Dulcamara doesn't miss a beat. Of course not. I have it, but it's going to cost you a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. So Nemorino, who's not a rich man,
1: <laughs> not at all, actually
2: quite poor, gives all of his money mm-hmm. so he can get this this elixir. Um, and Dulcamara says, you know, it's not going to work till tomorrow.
1: Right. So
2: just but make drink sure, it all now. Yeah, make sure you drink it all now, and then all of the women will be in love with you starting tomorrow. Right. Um, so that happens, and Nemorino. Doesn't waste any time. <laughs> um, he starts drinking and is kind of um, starting to make a fool of himself.
1: He's he's quite tipsy. Yeah.
2: yeah, and it's it's the alcohol, but I think it's also because he has this sense of encouragement. It's almost like he has a new found sense of confidence.
1: It's certainly like the like the psychological effect of achi- or gaining this potion. It's like he's no longer worried about being. The fact that he doesn't see himself as clever, or he's not very suave or romantic, yes, and, or that Belcore is a threat to him—it's like he can now conquer the world, right?
2: Yes, exactly. And so he—it's showing in his in his movements mm-hmm. on stage, but then also in the music. You know, he yeah. has this kind of carefree line that will come where he's he's singing la 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 la, you know, very light and flippant, which is different from this guy who just a little bit earlier is, you know, very, you know, he's sighing and woe is me. Right. My love is never going to be returned. Mm -hmm. Um, He's confident in his pursuit of Adina. But at this point in time, he's saying, oh, well, I'll wait. Tomorrow she's going to love me no matter what. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to play it cool. She said, you know, you shouldn't be interested in me. I'm going to show her that or at least make her think that I'm not interested.
1: He, he's basically doing exactly what she asked for. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: But of course, now, when it's seeming like he's not as interested in Adina, she and Anana Trebko characterizes this very well. She says, oh, he thinks that he's not interested in me anymore. Oh. Well, I'm going to show him. Mm-hmm. So um, then they kind of have this cat and mouse back and forth where they're provoking each other. Yes. And then with perfect timing, this is when Belcore comes back onto the scene um, and he's talking about women and conquests and how they're the same thing.
1: And she definitely pounces on this opportunity to kind of use him to make Nemorino jealous, right? Yes,
2: exactly. So when Belcore makes another advance, um, Nemorino is, is kind of laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even some talk about getting married in a few days, right? Um, you know, getting married in a week or six days, I can't remember exactly what the timeline looks like, but Nemorino starts laughing, like very obnoxiously, (laughs) and in the face of everybody, he's laughing, saying, sure, yeah, you can make plans to get married in six days, because tomorrow, Adina is going to be in love with me, so it's never going to happen for you two, so he's laughing. Um, but then Adina, seeing that he's laughing, is even more furious. Mm-hmm. And she says, fine, we'll get married tonight.
3: Is dun, es- dun, dun, dun. essentially,
2: oh, well, actually, you know, there's a, there's a prompt. I'm getting ahead of myself. There's a prompt for this. Um, Belcore receives word that his regiment right. is going to need to be shipped out um, the following day.
1: So then it's almost like her chance to make Nemorino jealous might disappear and march away.
2: Yeah, but also Belcore, kind of knowing that if, as soon as he leaves, his chances, like, Adina isn't the type to wait around right. for somebody. Right. So he says, you, you know, essentially they decide, however it transpires, they decide they're going to get married that evening. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, there's an instant change in Nemorino's demeanor where he's all of a sudden pretty desperate,
1: that's my favorite moment. Yes,
2: exactly. And we're going to listen to a longer clip of this
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, because it's a moment where you get a lot of this, um, a lot of different emotions. Mm-hmm. Where you have Nemorino is so desperate, and his passion is really coming through. Um, Belcore is angry, mm-hmm. um, you know, calling Nemorino a buffoon,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and
2: Adina actually shows herself to be a little bit torn.
1: And I think that she actually. You can see that she cares for Nemorino, if even if she doesn't know it yet, because as Belcore is calling him a buffoon and kind of you know threatening him, like I'm gonna like I'm gonna get you, kind of thing, stop laughing at me or stop interfering yes. with my you know with my lady here. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically, Adina is kind of defending him, being like, oh oh, he's just he's he's just you know the kind of the town the town um, fool, or he doesn't know what he's doing. So you can see that there's a part of her that is attracted to him in some way, or at least protective of him. So we get the first little inklings that she might actually truly love him. Oh,
2: definitely, or have some kind of feeling whatsoever. Um, So this is an ensemble Mm -hmm. um, piece, and you will hear Nemorino saying... Adina, credimi. So, Adina, believe me, mm-hmm. you're going to regret this tomorrow. Um, and it's a really beautiful selection. So, let's take a listen to that and we'll talk about it some more after.
0: All right. to 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 to
2: All right, so we have a nice long clip there, Mm -hmm. Um, and so many different things are are shown, and it's an example of Donizetti communicating the emotion very well in the music.
1: Yes, for sure, especially the emotions of kind of each character and how they're navigating that particular situation. Yes,
2: and then also it's it's a great example of this bel canto idea of really promoting the voice in the vocal line mm. rather than the orchestration where you as you have uh, Verdi and Wagner and later composers that really put the drama oftentimes into the orchestra
1: the orchestra almost becomes a character that's you know playing a role or expressing things yes. and then the singer is are obviously part of that, but the focus is not on them sounding beautiful. It's on them kind of creating this dramatic scenario. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, you have, it's definitely dramatic, but it's also incredibly beautiful.
2: Yes, exactly. And the the drama, I think, comes across in the harmonies Mm -hmm. that are in there. But as far as the the orchestra itself, it's very simple, just more accompanying notes. But moving forward, for the sake of time... <laughs> right. So
1: from here, uh, obviously, Nemorino is very threatened because he thinks this wedding is going to happen uh, quickly. And so he basically rushes to Dukumara and asks, you know, for more elixir. And yes. of course, Dukumara is more than happy to give him some, but he needs to pay for it. Yes. Right. And so this is what kind of leads us into another important plot point in that, uh, in order to get money to buy another dose of the elixir from Dulcumara, uh Nemarino basically enlists in the military because he's told that he will get 20 scudi on the spot yes. to enlist.
2: Told by Belcore, who is very, right. who is very proud of himself because in one fell swoop he's. He's rid himself of his rival, and he's also got a new recruit. So two pats on the back
1: for Belcore. And so he gets his 20 scudi, and Nemarino uses it to buy another dose of the elixir. Of course, he drinks it all right away, very Mm -hmm. intent that it start working very quickly. And then also, while this has transpired, we learn that... uh, Nemorino's wealthy relative or uncle his has uncle, has died yeah. and uh, kind of left him his fortune and so Nemorino has gone from kind of the poor average joe to being a very eligible bachelor yes. in the town overnight. And so because of this all of the kind of single ladies in the town have decided to start turning their affection towards Nemorino and he thinks that it's because he took this big dose of the second elixir
2: yes exactly and this is just a fun scene another time where um everything is conveyed to us quite plainly we have the the pizzicato in the in the strings that gives us a feel of sneaking around yes pizzicato
1: is plucking the string players are instructed instead of drawing the bow across the string they pluck the string
2: exactly and um the women are singing you know piano piano be quiet be quiet um because it hasn't gotten out yet. Uh, and so they're all kind of... The it's, news of his, yes. his newly
1: found wealth.
2: It's, it's the rumor in the town. So, it's such a fun scene um, with all of the women there um, and it's really entertaining for the audience. But we see throughout the scene that Adina is kind of up in the rafters.
1: Taking it all in. Yeah,
2: taking it all in. She sees what's happening and she's upset.
1: She's jealous. Yes,
2: also jealous um, <laughs> about what's taking place, so much so that she has a single tear. Yes, that, a
1: furtive tear yes, that runs down her that cheek. Yes, rolls
2: down her cheek which will come into play later. We'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's upset, and this causes her to talk with Dulcamara, mm-hmm. who at this point kind of reveals everything that's happened with Nemorino, explains that he approached Dulcamara uh, wanting this potion, this, elixir, this to make,
1: elixir to
2: make somebody fall in love with him. Dulcamara doesn't know who, but Adina does know who. And so, of course, never to miss out on any sale, Right Kamada so, says, well, I can sell the elixir to you and then your problems will be solved. No need to be sad. And Adina says at this point, um, no, no. Um, <laughs> I have my own elixir and it's in my face. It's in my eyes. So I know exactly how to take care of this.
1: And so from here, I think it's time to come back to this furtive single tear.
2: Yes, exactly. And
1: so basically Nemarino hasn't, really witnessed or hasn't any clue that Adina has spoken to Dolcomara, though he does say after seeing, he sees that tear. Yes, he does. And he, that is a signal to him that she truly loves him.
2: Yes, exactly. Yes. And as, um, when we look at the translation yes. of the famous aria, una furtiva lagrima is a furtive tear.
1: Yes. And so he sings this aria Uh, partially because he is kind of so overwhelmed that he saw this tear and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a signal of her love for him. But also the fact that he's made her cry is just making him heartbroken that he's caused her some kind of pain. And this particular aria is incredibly famous. Every tenor uh, everywhere wants to sing this aria and it's incredibly difficult because you have these long lines that the singer has to make it through Mm -hmm. and the voice is very exposed because you don't have a thick orchestra behind the singer and actually that's what i love about this aria is the orchestration is so beautiful because it has these double reeds i believe there's a bassoon paired Mm -hmm. with it and just it's kind of like a little chamber ensemble of instruments in the orchestra all of which are chosen for their melancholy timbres and so it kind of uh, it adds that extra layer of depth to the sentiment of the aria because you have this exposed vocal line, you have these very delicate, um, this kind of delicate arrangement of instruments underneath that are lending this sad quality to the sound as well.
2: Yes, definitely. It's another great example of bel canto singing. Indeed, yes. Beautiful singing with a simple but beautiful accompaniment um, that's underneath and it's interesting, in, in talking about the aria and its difficulties, I, I think you're right. I think the sustained phrases are can be very difficult. Definitely. But interestingly enough, I was looking at the score, and when you look at the vocal range, it's not incredibly high. Um, yeah. it, it has difficulties for other reasons, but I think this is a good example of setting music in a very achievable range
3: mm-hmm.
2: so you can... It, we're not sitting there as an audience wondering, you know, oh, is he, you know, is he going to get through or is he going to make it so to can that note? he going to make it? <laughs> you just get lost in the melody and the yes. beauty of the singer's voice. Um, and it's it's really a special aria. And you'll hear in the audience reaction. I mean, I think in this recording, there's at least 30 seconds of applause.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: um, and Matthew Polansani, all he can do is just kind of bow his head. Right. <laughs> in recognition. So... Shall we take a listen? I
1: think we have to. This is Una fortiva lagrima. Right. well, we have to move on. Yes. So from here, <laughs> we'll stop fawning over Matthew yeah, should, Polanzani should in we this ha- aria. Should we
2: have an episode on Una Furtiva Lágrima? We probably
1: could do I that. I guess we just did. I think, so. Yes, a little mini moment there. So from there... He's sung this particular aria. He's clearly heartbroken about the fact that Adina still seems out of his reach, but he's also caused her pain.
2: And he's also saying, um, you know, because he's cognizant of the fact that he's joined the military. Right. And knows that now, that you know, she loves him, but he's still, he's signed on to be in the military and spent the money. So he's got to go. But he says, um, I can in this aria, I can die knowing that she loves me. Right. Now I can die knowing that she loves can me. can
1: die a happy man.
2: Exactly. But Adina has other plans.
1: Right. Our smart, clever it girl is not going to let her true love get away that easily.
2: Exactly. So she comes back onto the scene after this aria, and she has purchased back Nemorino's contract,
3: ah. his military
2: contract. That's how she's going to solve the problem. Um, and she tells him that up front. But Nemorino wants to hear from her that she cares about him.
1: Right. And it's uh, as if she tries to tell him in every way possible that she loves him without actually saying the words.
2: Exactly. And so this is one last instance where that we have our, our cat and mouse, you know, <laughs> banter back and forth, where neither of them is going to come right out and say that they love each other. But finally, Adina Caves... She right. she shows her love for Nemorino outright.
1: She says the words. Yes. Yeah. And
2: uh, and Nemorino is is overjoyed.
1: So are we going to listen to a clip of this?
2: Actually, we don't have a clip of this. All lined right. Up, so. so
1: you're going to have to go to the broadcast yes. in order to hear and see the moment where our our the two two characters we've been cheering for and rooting for the whole time actually come together. And there's a great kiss, yes, too.
2: Yes, <laughs> there is. And maybe some, they fall on the floor. And there,
1: they, you know, there's some, <laughs> there's we, some rolling around. Yes, you really <laughs> so, have at
2: it in the hay field. That's and, right. And all of that stuff. It's a lot of fun. But this is, a, I mean, the opera pretty much is over right. at that point. We have some very quick resolution, which is kind of interesting, because we've had all of this drama throughout and then all of a sudden they're in love and okay well we're done and and we tie up all the loose ends and and move on.
1: Right so one of our loose ends of course a big loose end is Belcore. What happens to him?
2: Mm -hmm. So he comes back out um, essentially becomes apparent that
1: (laughs) quite apparent that Adina is no longer uh, in the running for him so to speak. Yes exactly
2: so and I mean, I, you would think that he would put up a fight, but he doesn't. He essentially says, well, okay, I'm moving on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he and his garrison leave town.
2: Mm-hmm. And then at that point, Dulcamara comes out, and he claims all of the positive happenings he claims to be credited to himself.
1: Of course, because he was the one who had the magical elixir he, of love. He
2: had the elixir of love, which not only... Uh, one Nemorino love, but also made him rich. Ah, that's yes. that's This is the first time that Nemorino and Adina learn that Nemorino has come into all of this wealth. Right. So I guess it's good that we know that...
1: Their love is true. Their, lo- <laughs> their love yeah. is
2: true. Adina <laughs> isn't just after his, his pockets. Right. So, um, so that's a fun moment. And in claiming credit for all of this positive circumstance... Dulcamara sings us off about his elixir. The chorus joins him uh, singing about the wonders of the elixir. And essentially, everybody goes off into the sunset. Right. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun. We, You know, there's many times that we come from the opera and we've been in tears. Um,
1: right. The ending is just incredibly tragic. <laughs> yeah, we've had
2: great tragedy. But in this circumstance, we all come away happy. Right. And all in all, it's been a fun Experience.
1: Well, why don't we end with giving a little bit of a listen to how this is all tied up with a bow at the end, the kind of celebratory ending of Elixir of Love. That pretty much wraps things up for today. So thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 37 of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. And thank you, Kyle, for being on the podcast with me today. It was a pleasure to record this with you. Yes,
2: it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed at least somewhat listening to us (laughs) gab about this opera. Uh, But I really can't stress enough how much of a fun opera it is. If you've seen it, you know... Um, we really could add it to this ABC list of introductory operas for people for many reasons. And for those of you new to opera, now you have some new songs and melodies that have become standards that you know as part of the repertoire. So
1: that's right. A
2: lot of good takeaways from, from today and from this opera.
1: And really, I have to add that if you want to see an amazing cast, this is the production to go to. This is the recording to see because you really cannot beat the... Uh, Anna Trebko, Mariusz Kavicin, uh, Matthew Polanzani, and Ambrosio Maestri, a quartet of main characters. So a dynamite cast all around.
2: find your uh, live in HD encore performance in a theater near you.
1: That's right. Uh, Buy a ticket for you and your friends.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is our time, us uh, opera fanatics, opera addicts, as I like to say, um, to... Bring other people into the club. (laughs) That's right.
1: Introduce a friend to the art form that we love so much. This is a great opera to do it with. Exactly. All right, so next week we will be returning with another episode, as usual, and this will be another uh, excerpt from our Talking About Opera archives. We're going to learn all about Verdi's Macbeth. This is also next week's episode. We'll link into our summer Shakespeare uh, topics that we've been exploring. You're going to hear Albert Inorato in the Talking About Opera recording, so be sure to subscribe to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast in iTunes in order to get automatic access to this and all future episodes so it's waiting for you on your device when you want to listen with that I'm your host Naomi Baratera
2: and I'm Kyle Homewood
1: and thank you for listening